All right, welcome into the Triangle Podcast, Couch Guy Sports, CouchGuySports.com, the Twitch, the YouTube. We're on Twitter. Follow us there. Everywhere you can get podcasts, of course, follow us there. Um, episode 55, myself, Al, and not Zach. And you know, before we introduce our, we, we have a new, new co-host. We work fast, clearly. Um, I wasn't here last week for Zach's wow. show. I was kind of a dick. Yeah, um, that that, that but, was a ba- that was a bad move on your part, Mr. Primary Host. That that was that was terrible. I couldn't be here. I had I have my reasons. It's fine, it Zach, and I have talked about it. It's good, but I love Zach. Much appreciated for what he did. He's staying on Couch Guy. Well, he's not leaving Couch Guy. He's just not doing this podcast anymore. He got a new job, and we all know life gets in the way of the fun shit. So, that being said, we have a new co-host. No video, so no one can see his face right now. But uh, his name is Chris Henrique. Sounds familiar because you know him. He knows this team inside and out. He's on Couch Guy Sports. Um, Christopher, welcome. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? We're good. We got the SEO GOAT on the podcast now. SEO GOAT. I've also been called Mr. Page Views as well. <laughs> Not sure which, which nickname I like the most right now. It's, a, it's an ego booster, so we'll go with it. We're, we're going to stick with SEO GOAT. SEO GOAT is something you can like throw out in anyone's face who does marketing for a living, like any, anytime, which is like a lot of people, because everyone thinks they know how to do marketing in this world. Like <laughs> SEO GOAT is a beautiful nickname. Um, it's, at, it's at Chris Henrique on Twitter, his normal Twitter handle. He's, he's, he's basically running into the triangle Twitter now because I don't have time to do it. And he's a master of social media. So he's handling that and it's already shown traction. So he could just not talk on this podcast and already has, he already has an impact, which is great. Uh, but no, we, we have a ton of to get to actually. Uh, Red Sox, this time last week, if I was on the show, man, would I have bitched them out? And I still kind of want to, but like, because they really didn't show fight. Like this team really needed to wake up. It's really what it got bad. They, they were losing left and right. It was something like, I don't know the exact number, but I think it was like 11 out of 13 or something like that. They lost some stupid. Yeah. Um, yep. Man, did the Baltimore <clears throat> Orioles show up at the right time. I'm just going to throw that out there. Thank the heavens that they are in the AL East. Um, and they showed up at the right time. You, you just swept the Orioles. We'll talk about that a little bit. Now you have the Yankees again, who are on your heels for a wild card spot because they keep winning. Um, but let, let's start with Chris Sale because that has been the news. It's been two years in the making. Um, and, guys, I watched that start. I didn't watch every second of it. I couldn't, but like I watched what I could watch. Obviously, watch the highlights over and over again because man, his slider still is porn, basically to me. Um, I, he hasn't lost a step. Like Chris Sale looks like he t- never had the Tommy John surgery, which it, d- it doesn't happen for everybody when they come back from the surgery. People take issues. People take time. It takes them about a year to come back. Usually, after they already come back, like you don't recover the way. You, and again, I know it was the Orioles, and he's pitching against Texas for the next start for some reason, but he looked like. I expected him to look like he looked like Chris Sale. He did. And the, the great part was, so I got to see it live with our assistant content director, Diego Galvis and our significant others. When you just saw him walk out from the dugout to the bullpen, just to get ready for a start, the Fenway atmosphere was so electric. Mm-hmm. Like you could literally, it, it was just so amazing that one guy could bring that kind of dynamic to a team. 
And that's what Chris Hill does for this Red Sox team. I think Alex Verdugo even said it, like, after the game. Like, our bulldog is back. Like, that's how much they value Chris Hill. And then, obviously, to go five innings, eight strikeouts, you know, and give up two runs and basically two pitches, like, that shows that he's the ace that you need. And the only – the best part, he's going to get better because he's going to go deeper into ball games. He's going to be able to give the bullpen a little bit more rest. And that's the Chris Sale that the Red Sox need at the absolute perfect time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It just it, – the Orioles coming into Fenway this weekend was just like it – was, it was like the perfect, you know, just the perfect storm to kind of happen for the Sox, especially the fact of how badly they've struggled over the last couple of weeks – if Sale would have struggled on Saturday, if he would have went like three innings, five earned runs, like it would have – you thought the bloom bashing was bad right now. It would have been off the charts. So just to get five solid innings, you know, he looked like vintage Chris Sale. It, it, it looked good. It felt good. It felt – from the little bit of the, of the highlights that I was able to see because I was away, um, it just it felt like a playoff atmosphere. It felt like the crowd was into it. It was arguably – based off of where they're at right now, this was the biggest game of the season for the Red Sox. And they got that huge boost that shot in the arm that they needed. Eight strikeouts. Strikeouts. Eight strikeouts. And it's insane. Um, He's the ace that we want back. He's one of the best trade deadline acquisitions this year. You can call it that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where I'm I'm not necessarily going to let Haim off the hook here. Like, I I still think he should have done something because at the end of the day, it would be nice to have another starter. It would be nice to have a real first baseman. I don't think Travis Shaw is really that good. So like, well, and we'll talk about that. Um, But like, you you look at what Chris Sale did. If you add another arm, man, this team's untouchable. So like, yeah, I'm not necessarily going to let Haim off the hook, but this is what they've been preaching. It's like, we have Chris Sale coming back. You know, we have, we just, we traded for Kyle Schwarber and he's now healthy and he, he played and he's playing. So their tread deadline acquisitions and Chris sale, like those obviously took a, a week or two past the deadline to actually come to fruition. But now it's like, okay, you know, Schwarber's producing Chris sales now Chris sale again, hopefully. And I, again, I want to see it against even past Texas. I need to see it against some of the other teams, but you know, I'll take it for what it is. They can, they're selling the, the, the normal standard, not high hardcore fan base. Um, the, oh, we added Chris Sale to deadline. We added Kyle Schwarber, who's now hit, hit a couple doubles today. So everyone's going to forget that he can't play first base. And that's what they got him for. Um, so I'm not letting him off the hook yet by any means. And I'm, I've been a high bloom supporter. Al can tell you this, Chris, since like day one, I, I, I believe in what he, he can do it. And I still think that he's just getting used to not having, actually having money. Um, but ownership is the one that made them not go over the tax. Like I'm, I'm still hell bent on that one, but it's a step in the right direction. If you can get Chris Hale looking like he did moving forward and Schwarber can produce, um, it makes me feel a little better. Cause now the offense is also produced. They scored like what, like 20 something runs in three games against the Orioles. Yeah. They, I think they scored 30 runs against the O's this weekend. And let me, let me ask you guys this too. So obviously with Chris Hale in the rotation, we know that that's an immediate bump. When the rotation was this, when it was, Ivaldi, Rodriguez, Pavetta, uh, Perez, and Richards. What would you give that starting rotation grade-wise? Oh, like just overall, C. like a C. Okay, Chris, maybe. I, I would agree. I would say a C would be fair, mainly C. of what you got off of Perez and Richards is a major drop-off after your third starter. Okay, say, so if you I, if you went if you went a three-man rotation, it would have been like an A, like, like right. an A minus B plus. So so that's what I, so. They're at like a C at best, maybe a C plus. Yeah. A reach would be a B minus. Now, yeah. with this rotation, Chris Sale, Nathan Eovaldi, Nick Pavetta, Eduardo Rodriguez, Tanner Houck, 
What do you give that rotation for a grade? B plus. Chris? I would go B. I, honestly, actually, you know, let me let me get the, the fanboy out of the way. I'm going to go B minus. Only reason why I say B minus is at some point with Tanner Houck, he either needs to stay or he needs to keep him down at Worcester. It's it's like this taxi cab ride back and forth to Worcester over the last couple of you know last couple of weeks. And I get it. He he's, he's got the option. Send him down. Whatever. Um, I'm still concerned about the two pitch mix. You know, you can't once he gets around to that. The you know when he hits those batters that third time around, the Rays kind of exposed that the other night. So I would go B minus, but it's definitely a huge step in the right direction. I mean, you, the way, when you started to talk about that and you, and you started to say, Hey, let's look at the rotation now versus what it was, which is why I agree with what Jared was saying before the Sox need, they, they should have gone out and got another starter to go along with sale because you've now changed the dynamic of your bullpen with Richards and, and, and Martin Perez in the pen. You got a lefty in Perez who's pitched better in the pen. And yep. I hate saying this, but Garrett Richards looks really good in the bullpen. Like he's a bullpen I, guy. He shouldn't be in the. I, I can't game. believe that I'm saying that. He, you yeah. know, he got a three inning save the other day for the Sox. He has been a major shot on the arm. Now I won't have him pitch a meaningful inning in October just nope. yet. I need to see more. But the fact that you took those two guys and you put them in a different, you know, role in the bullpen, and they're not going to pitch in high leverage situations, you didn't need to go out and get the Hansel Robles of the world. You need to get in the arm for the rotation. And you guys literally. Real quick, you guys really just proved my point. The rotation got that much better. It's almost a full letter grade better in both cases. And you strengthened your bullpen, which was already doing good to start the season with guys like Josh Taylor and Matt Barnes and others doing their jobs. So now you strengthened that bullpen too for the, at least the rest of the regular season. It's a win-win right there. I, I look at the rotation though. The two guys I'm iffy about, and, I, and it, it could make me feel like it's even a B, is Tanner Houck, the Tanner Houck thing, not because I don't believe in the talent he has, but like, I, I agree with Chris's point. They start to figure him out after he's in the game for a while. So like that puts some taxing on the bullpen because he's, he's pretty much got to come out after, after every two time, two times of the rotation. I mean, through the uh, lineup and that what, what Erod is going to show up mm-hmm. because he's been really good lately. Like he's been good. He's been figuring it out. He's looked good, but is that going to, is that going to show up in September and October? Because right now I, I trust Chris Sale, obviously I, I know he's coming back, but I, I obviously trust Chris Sale as the competitor and then the guy that he is. I trust Evaldi's been liked out all year, and Nick Pavetta's been Nick Pavetta. So, like, those but three with, guys I trust. So what Erod's going to show up. But with Evaldi, do you trust the fact that he can stay away from that one bad inning that's kind of haunted him his last couple starts? I mean, yes, because at the end of the day, I think he, he, he's a gamer and he'll figure it out. Like, that dude has nutsack. Like, that dude can pitch. He's basically a like Chris Sale. He's a psychopath. Like, I, I think Nate Evaldi is a little bit of Chris Sale in him, and that's a good thing. Uh, I remember the interview. This is funny because I remember an interview with Chris Sale. It popped back up today because he pitched. And when he did it with Jerry Carabas at Barstool, and it was basically like, you know, can you actually switch a flip, flip a switch on and off? And Chris Sale was like, well, yeah, because I can't yell at my fucking kids for not cleaning their room, but I can yell at my teammates for not getting a hit. And I was like, whoa, okay. See, that's the guy I want on the mound. I think Evaldi has a little bit of that in him too. Right. Okay, fair point. Al, do you think you're going to get a good E-Rod or bad E-Rod in the playoffs? Or cut, even September? Almost in September. So. <sighs> See – See, here's the thing. It depends on it. Really, it depends on his command because you know that when Erod's missing with his cutter and missing with his fastball, it, that's it. Like you, you know, he's not going to have a good start. Now he's had some bad luck this year with the defense behind him, and we can acknowledge that and give him a little bit of oh, a yeah. pass there. But, but otherwise, you know, I don't know what Erod you're going to get. And like you just said, Jared, and I agree with that. It's scary to think about because you're going to need Erod at some point to pitch deep into the postseason 
if you're lucky enough to make it to the division series, if you get out of the wild card game, which we can talk about in future episodes, I don't know what E-Red you're going to get. And that does terrify me. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, if you get the good E-Rod, I trust your rotation. And because you can really go three, four, like four guys deep even. And if you don't need them, you can pitch how, like, you know, there's, there's options there, but I think, so the, the reason why I'm I'm more my, I'm more upset about Heim not getting a ro- like a pitching rotation guy than I am like a legitimate first baseman because like even Bobby Dahlbeck he's been swinging the crap out of the bat like clearly they saw something whatever but like clearly you could you could use one more arm and now you're not going to get it um, so it, it it it's kind of a scary proposition um, but if Eduardo Rodriguez goes the rest of August and September the way he's been then like fine like, you're gonna have to trust him because that, that he's been proving it. Um, Heimbloom's acquisition of Kyle Schwarber, though, like, and this kind of, we can kind of gently transition there, like, just finally started to play and looks fine. He's been DHing. Uh, he hasn't had to play first base. He might not even have to now because we're going to talk about Travis Shaw, too, combined here. Like, the Red Sox just brought back Travis Shaw. The Brewers designated for him. Like, he's gone. Like, picked him up off waivers. He's back in Boston. Um, this is kind of where I pose the question to both of you. Like, would you rather Kyle Schwarber or Travis Shaw playing, playing first base? <laughs> it's like... Travis Shaw's not that good. Like I think we've noted, he just hit. He can kind of hit. But he's not great. He's not a great baseball defensive player. Like, but Kyle Schwarber's not a great defensive baseball player either. So, what's the point of the Travis Shaw signing then? Truthfully, uh, it's Travis Shaw, and here's why. There's two reasons. One, you can use Schwarber off the bench as a pinch hit role if you want to, so you can kind of play with that. And I'll give you the other great thing that can happen here, and I'm sure you guys will both like this. You can say bye bye to Franchi Cordero. You don't need to keep him around anymore because what would be the point? Because you have you do, all that. Then good job, Heim. <laughs> That's it. If you do, great. I'm all for it. <laughs> then you lose on the Benintendi trade, but whatever. But here's the thing: if you, if Travis Shaw can actually produce at the major league level a little bit, I know he's hit 191, six home runs, 56 games, whatever it was. Not great. Not a great stat line. But if you can get even mediocre production out of him, have Bobby Dahlbeck play just against left-handed pitching like he's been somewhat hitting the whole year. If the Baltimore series proves that he's actually turning the corner, then you can platoon Dahlbeck and Shaw. You can say goodbye to Cordero, and then you can kind of play around with J.D. and Schwarber in the outfield and at DH. So that creates some options there. You give people nights off. Schwarber's going to be a good bat to give people nights off. Um, if you're if if going to DH him, J.D. can play outfield. I'd rather J.D. play the outfield, honestly, than Schwarber. Like, I think just let Schwarber Hayes coming off his injury. I, I like Schwarber in the outfield, but – He's still not 100%. There's no way. So he didn't even get into bats. They didn't even give him a minor league rehab. That's how bad they needed him. They're like, we need Kyle Schwarber because you know what? He, he didn't get a rehab assignment. One game gets rained out. They're like, nah, screw it. Never mind. Just come up and play. Right. What about you, Chris? I like the move. I, I saw some reaction on social media between Twitter, Facebook, things like that, that a lot of people are not high on this move. But, I mean, here's the thing. Like, it's depth. That's number one. It's another left-handed bat that this team, they do need. That's why they got Schwarber. They need another left-handed power bat in the lineup. I'm not saying that Shaw is the power bat, but you can now, you have Dahlbach, who can hit right-handed. You're going to have Schwarber, who's going to be there, a left-handed hitter. You can also, in a pinch, in a, in a pinch, can play a little second. You can play some third if you want to go ahead and give Devers a day off. He's played in the outfield before. He gives you some versatility. He's not coming here to play out and, and be the first baseman for the rest of the season. Maybe he runs into a few over the course of the next couple of weeks. You know, who knows? Change of scenery can also happen for players. We've seen it happen before. Um, but, I mean, if, if people are thinking that the Travis Shaw they're going to get is the Shaw that we saw before he was traded to Milwaukee, he's not the same player. Nope. So, 
it's low risk. It's high reward. And guess what? If he sucks, what can you do? You can just DFA him. The Brewers did it. Heim will do the same thing. It's another, it's another option. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's, to your point, Al, it's an actual first baseman. So it's someone who can play the position. You can put you can keep J.D. out in left field, who's arguably going to play a better outfield than Schwarber. Let Schwarber just come here and hit. Let him do what he did today. You know, two doubles today. Just let him do that. Kyle Schwarber, just to, uh, to that point, is so made for Fenway Park. <laughs> like his swing and just the way he hits the ball, I didn't realize till today, and, I, and this is me not really paying that much attention to Kyle Schwarber, he's only 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Like he, I, in my head, he's like 35. I don't know why. I guess he has this It's because of how look he looks. Him. He looks like He looks man. like he's 35, like 36. Looks like a 35-year-old softball player. Yeah, he looks yeah, like he should be in a beer league somewhere. He hits the crap out of the ball and looks old. I, I wouldn't even mind if they signed Schwarber for a couple years. Like if they, if they don't believe in Dahlbeck, if, he's, if you don't feel like he's ready – or if J.D. Mar- – like, you know, like, I wouldn't even mind Schwarber being here for – especially if Frenchy Cordero doesn't pan out and you option in the outfield. Like, wouldn't you not mind him on, a, like, a two-year deal, sign Schwarber, let him play when they- and they're decent, and then you have options like like other guys coming up from the system. But Schwarber's young enough that I'd even feel comfortable him staying. Travis Shaw, he's – this is a one – he's not coming back. But, like, Kyle Schwarber, like, legitimately could be an option for the Red Sox just to re-sign on a two-year deal. I think he's got an option. I think he's got. I think he's got either a team or a player option, which is kind of in the mold of what Heimblum has done. If if you look at all of the legitimate moves that Heimblum has made, every player he's brought in has has that one and one. Richards has that one and one option. Martin Perez has that one and one option. It's part of why. I mean, granted, there was another reason why Corey Kluber ended up going to New York, but the Red Sox wanted him on a one year with an option. Kluber wanted a one year prove it. He wanted and plus. Yeah, the intangible of the pitching coach who, who we knew and, and the strength and conditioning dude. But yes. a lot of what Hein Bloom is doing is having that contractual control. You know, would it surprise you not to, you know, change, you know, subjects here, but would it surprise you if they exercise the option of Richards and then dealt him in the offseason just because of the fact that they have that ability and that control to do so, especially if he say he gets a little hot towards the end of the, you know, down the stretch. So a lot of what Bloom does, he likes to have that extra control, and that's part of Schwarber. What happens if JD decides he doesn't want to come back? You know, I was just thinking there, that too. There's yeah. another option. Boom, right there at half yep. of the cost. I don't think JD. I don't think JD bails. No, I don't think so either. Not, not he's got a lot. He's got a. He's got a. He's, he's got a lot of money on this contract. He'd have to have like an obscene year to to get more money than what he's being paid because Dave Dombrowski paid this man. He'd also have to go to like a contender because he's not at this point in his career. He's not going to want to go to a rebuilding situation unless they literally gave him all the money that they could actually afford that that's the only other situation, but he likes it in Boston. He's always liked playing in Boston. He could be a part of a playoff, you know, contending team every year. He could play for Alex Cora who he loves. Why would he want to leave? He's making the money. Yeah. Making the money on a contender. Um, obviously this team is better than we thought, right? Like initially. So, and I think they're only, this is, this would have been the worst year moving forward, right? I think every year after to this year, they were supposed to get better. We were kind of expecting a down year this year. It hasn't happened. So if you're JD, Maybe Schwarber stays, maybe not. But you see the young kids coming up. You see the core staying. If they pay Devers like they should this offseason, that's even more reason for them to be like, great. They're committing to this team, right? Like, there's no reason for J.D. Martinez to leave and opt out. And, again, the money's there. So, like, why would you leave that money um, when you're not going to – I don't think any team's going to pay. Unless – the only way he makes more money is if it's, like, the Pittsburgh Pirates and they just want to pay the guy. Like, that's it. Like, And, and then you're going to go play for a, a 10-win team because they suck. <laughs> like, like, there's no reason for him to leave. I don't see Charrington ever doing that. I mean, you figured when they got Panda, that was all Lucchino. I mean, if, if, if I, I think if Charrington had his brothers, I don't think either him or Hanley would have came back here to Boston. No. Oh, Hanley Ramirez experiment. Ooh. 
Oh, man. You bring up good times. Throwback. Throwbacks. Um, but, yeah, so overall, I, I, I like – I don't mind the Travis Shaw signing, but it just show, it shows to me that they admitted that they didn't actually believe what the bullshit they were feeding us is really where I look at this. They keep saying, well, yeah, Schwarber can play some first base. We're working him out there. But, well, I'm like, you don't actually believe that dude can play first base or, like, legitimately for a playoff contender. Sure, he can play first base for, like, the race. Or like not, I mean, they're like the Orioles, right? Like he can play first base for a team that needs them. But like, do you really think that he can play first base at the level that you need him to play first base when you have Bobby Dahlbeck? And clearly, if you think Travis Shaw is important enough to bring him in, you don't necessarily believe in the stuff that you're telling me. Now, Chris Sale, I believe, right? You bring in Chris Sale. Besides, like Max Scherzer being credited to the Dodgers, it's like really the top pitcher pitcher being added to a rotation this late in the season. Um, and you don't have to give up anything for it, right? So, like, it's cool. I, I, I don't mind getting being fed that because they're right. But, like, the Kyle Schwarber thing, like, just just tell me you wanted a bat, man. <laughs> like, like, why are you telling me you think he's going to play first base? He's not going to play first base. Now, especially now that Tra- Bobby Dahlbeck's pr- proving it out. Travis Shaw's here. Kyle Schwarber's not going to play first base. And they clearly saw because they, they, Didn't they say they were working him out, too? Like, clearly they saw something they didn't like, and they're like, oh, crap. It's going to be Travis Shaw. That's who it's going to be at the end of the season. When you need somebody that actually – like can play first base and can actually make some decent con- contact. That's the problem with me with Bobby Dahlbeck. He still strikes out about 40% of the time. You can't have that in a big postseason at bat. Granted, Travis Shaw, I don't know how much better he do, but I would put money on it that Travis Shaw would put a ball in play as opposed to Bobby Dahlbeck if I needed it. It's yep, exciting yep. to see Dahlbeck right now, though. I think in his last seven games, he did like six and change, 600. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, but a lot of that damage is done against the Orioles. But it's, exactly, though. It's a seven-game stretch, and there's not enough sample size. The sample size that we've seen is what we've seen this year. It's Dahlback is what, we, what we've seen all season. So, And the Red Sox needed to make an upgrade. They failed to do that. They felt that by patchworking pack working, working it together with Schwab was going to be the way to go, but it wasn't. And, and he hasn't even had to play an inning at first base for Heimblum and the, uh, the group to see that. So – that's why this the Shaw piece is perfect. I mean, you, hell, you can have Shaw come in as a defensive replacement, even if you want to start Schwarber for a handful of innings. If you're up big, he can still come in. So it gives it gives the Sox a lot of options. And think about they've made a ton of moves since you know post this deadline of of players who potentially could impact this roster. You know, they 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 acquired Jose De Leon off off waivers. They have there's a lot of pieces that Bloom has added. And granted, it's not household names, but Think about how many household names that Bloom added before the start of the season that are impact players for this Red Sox team. So I just I think it's in Bloom you got to trust. I think that's the thing with fans right now is we're a big market team, right? They're they're expecting big market players. Look at the Dodgers, right? They they always seem to have money somewhere in LA. I don't know where they're getting it from, but they always seem to have money. They always seem to trade for the big name players, and that's what Red Sox fans want to get it. Like, and I think that's what Heim's working to. But I think what people have to understand from the Heim bloom point of view is to be the Dodgers and to spend all that money all the time and constantly have the prospects to trade away to get Scherzer and all those guys at the deadline you have to have them you have to have the system in place and we all know Dave Dombrowski didn't keep it intact Dave Dombrowski literally left you with nothing the fact that it's turned around this quickly um, is actually proven that it's a good thing right like the Mookie Betts trade right Verdugo is a pretty good win back for Mookie Betts and then Jeter Downs we, we think he's going to be a potential future second baseman of this team whatever it turns into because I like I don't think Kike Hernandez is a long-term solution at second base so um if Jeter Downs pans out then that trade even looks even better so he's using right now his raise mentality yes because he has to because he has to fill out the farm system to some capacity 
I just don't think the, the only thing that rubs me the wrong way and, and Al, you won't be shocked by this answer is I just don't think ownership cares about this team. Like, I just don't think they care. Like you could have had Max Scherzer for not an absolute amount, a ton. Now, like would I want them to drop everything for Max Scherzer this year? Probably not. But like the thought that ownership stepped in and didn't say, say they didn't want Scherzer or did like, I don't know, but I wouldn't be shocked if the ownership said, do whatever you want, but don't go over that tax. And it's like, who, what, what are we doing? We're not the race. You, you can afford it. You can afford it. And that's been my gripe with this ownership group. Um, and Chris will get to know this very quickly. I don't like them. And it's really because I just don't think when, when they do spend, they spend idiotically. But then when they have a chance to spend well, they just don't let the guys spend. Um, anyone had to trade Mookie Betts, I get that. There was a year, the year last year they had to, they sucked anyway and they had to be under the tax. It was fine. But like, they shouldn't, we shouldn't be hearing that right now. No, I, mean, I get it. It's, it's one of those where it, it's a frustrating group because it's a group that has spent money and it's a group that wants to show they can invest. But to your point, they're just think of the players and the inconsistencies over the last couple of seasons where that money has gone to. I mean, there was a point in time before sale got hurt that people like, why did you give Chris sale that extension? Why would you give him that money? You know, of all the, even like people like, thought of all too, like, Exactly. You know, and I, you know, jokingly referenced about Handler Ramirez and, and um, Pablo Sandoval. Like, why would you give that money out? Think about Carl Crawford and that amount of cash that he, that he handed out. The ownership, you know, oh, allowed. so like they've spent money. Sometimes the money goes in the wrong places. And which is why I do feel like Hein Bloom attempted to make moves at the deadline. He attempted to make the team better. But I do think that while Schwaber is a good deal, I also think that they also got the wrong players too. Like, Hansel Robles and Austin Davis, that, that felt a lot of like 2020. Those are 2020 moves. Those are yeah. the moves that got you through the COVID year. You know, I, I despise Ryan Brazier. I like, and that'll be something you guys will come to learn. Like I have no use for that dude, but he's a better option than Hansel Robles. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're getting a guy with an ERA that's close to five when you trade for him. He's going to ERA over five. You could have saved the prospect, saved Chavis, put those guys together and get a starter. A guy mm-hmm. that I wanted the Red Sox to get, the Cardinals were out of it at the deadline. They're 10 games out of first right now, like four and a half out of the wild card right now. They went and made a move. They got Lester and they got Jay Happ just to kind of keep their rotation intact. Why couldn't you make a run on, on like an Adam Wainwright, who's been one of the best pitchers in the National League? Why couldn't you, you sent, you know, to those type of prospects to bring him back? A guy that has pitched in the postseason, knows how to win. Yep. That would have been a great move for the Sox. Something completely out of left field. He wouldn't have expected. You know, those are the moves that I think the Heim could have made. But for some reason, it just it didn't happen. And I do. I, I wouldn't I have even hated John Lester back. I wouldn't even if you no, hated we, John Lester we, back. We need someone right now that can go more than five innings. Like we need these starters to go six innings. This bullpen is taxed. They're showing that that this bullpen is overworked. So getting a guy that they gave, they gave Ottavino a week off. I mean, he might get a little more time off to get him smashed in the chest with that line drive today too. Seriously, uh, Barnes too. They gave Barnes a week off. Barnes, he, even they, they, Barnes has been. He's mentally just not, he's not there yeah, he's just he's just not right he also he also pitched like four days in a row too so i was partially hoping they'd bring kimbrell back <laughs> like just to like get, get i trust matt barnes as the closer obviously if kimbrell was here he'd be the closer if they traded for him but like i wouldn't mind seven eight nine out of you know barnes kimbrell like what's wrong like why that's something that they could have done kimbrell wasn't dealt for a lot like i know it was nice for him to get to the white Sox, but like kimbrell could have came here too there were names out there that would made a lot of sense I don't even talk about anything Rizzo. Like outside of even Rizzo, like 
there were names out there. I like the Wainwright one, but like others too, like just made so much sense. And then the and Red Sox were tied to them, all the stuff. And like the ones that worked out, you're like, wait, you only gave up what? And, and the Red Sox didn't pull a trigger. Like, and you think you start thinking about the prospects that are in our system. Like, okay, maybe you give up. Obviously Chavis was dealt, but like Chavis and a couple others from maybe a Wainwright or a John Lester. And like, wouldn't that have been a better option than, than some of the other guys, like the Robles of the world that they ended up getting pulled in. It's like, why, why are you changing Mike? I figured Michael Chavis would be a, in a package for something whereas they just dropped michael chavis yeah i feel like he, i mean we all knew that something had to give with him at some point yep. but i feel like he just gave him away and i don't want to hear like oh we got a traditional lefty no you well, look at the benintendi deal same thing they yeah, just gave yeah, benintendi away but in this case here you traded chavis again n- nothing to write home about but you got a traditional lefty i'm using quotation fingers you got a traditional lefty no he's under control for like the next four years that's where you got him he's cheap He's cheap. He's a dime a dozen. You have that in your system. You did not need to go out and get this guy. You could have – I would have rather them taken a prospect or two and gone out and get Ryan Tapera, who would have traded from the Cubs. Like, go out and get something else you could have put inside this bullpen to – bullpen that is, again, it's been overworked. I mean, the fact that Josh Taylor has actually been what he's been this year is – I mean, you, you got, got lucky. You're getting lucky with that. Sawamura has had a couple of scares now this year. Barnes is starting to – you know, he looks like – Hopefully he can kind of break out of this funk and he can go back to pre-All-Star break Matt Barnes. But, again, there's really not much in the system to kind of come up right now, which is why if you would have got a starter, you could have put Tanner Houck in later innings. As nasty as he's been, having him in like the seventh or eighth and that mix with those guys, with those two pitches, seeing at minimum three batters would have been a huge shot in the arm. But, unfortunately – it is what it is at this point. Hopefully Garrett Richards and Martin Perez can kind of carry that load. These guys stay healthy for the stretch run and Chris Sale can look like he did on Saturday. And there are some prospects down there too. I know there are fans calling for, you know, Siebold's been pitching well, right, in the minors. Um, and we all kind of, people are like, well, why don't you just give him a shot? Um, you look at the Olympics and this is not even pitching, but like Tristan Cassis, like was like literally a home run machine during the Olympics and he was making waves and has been having a good summer too so like people are like why don't you bring him up and everyone's like nope like they're not there yet like let's calm down and i don't disagree with that like there are some names that you you don't want to ruin by bringing them up to or like duran like a duran you brought him up you're committed to him being up here and like i still think he belongs up here i think he's too good to be in triple a just gotta let him figure it out and he's and he's hitting the ball okay but like other than that like you don't want to bring up everybody all at once because you think you have a hole for space or something like like bobby dalbeck right now is a better option than tristan cassis like i think because Bobby Dahlbeck hit the crap out of the ball in the minors too. If you sent Bobby Dahlbeck overseas to the Olympics, you don't think he would have done that well? Like, because it's not the top pitching because they're all still playing in the majors. So you, you look at who's on those teams. I think Bobby Dahlbeck would have had the same flash if you put him on Team USA. So I don't look at Tristan Cassis as a legitimate option I, right now. I think he's probably your future first baseman, unless you really think Dahlbeck is the guy. But I don't know. I, I think fans are getting overworked for what this team is. Um, they are really good, and I think they can be a contender, but I think it's going to end up being with what you got. And that's it. Uh, well, you got to figure it out. You're, already, you're, you're playing with house money. You're much better than everyone thought. Just kind of have to go with it. And they did add, right? Like, Schwarber's a great bat. He makes his lineup very dangerous, and it already was dangerous. So, um, schedule coming up. They should get some wins. There should be some wins in the future for the Red Sox. You do have two against, you have three against the Yankees, uh, two or double header. You're making up for uh, the game from July, I think it was. I don't even July know. July 15th. Uh, yeah, sure. I, you could be lying to me. I don't even know. Uh, um, it's, it's 100%. I checked before. D- double header against the Yankees, and you have a third game on Wednesday. It lines up. Hauk's pitching. It's Hauk, Avaldi, 
and the doubleheader. I don't, we don't know which way yet. And then Pavetta's pitching Wednesday. You have a day off Monday. Um, one, the rotation's lining up perfectly for you to at least take two out of three from the Yankees. You need to. You, you, you need to shut New York Yankee fans up because they think that they're going to be back in this race. Now, granted, they're two and a half games behind the Red Sox for that second wild card spot. Right. But if you can if you can win two out of three, and if by some miracle you sweep them, I shouldn't say miracle because they've done it, but if by I'll some say, You have the three better pitchers you have out there right now to, to have, besides sale pitching in this series, like you literally have your three best options to go and take care of the Yankees. If this by some... Be, it should be easy, but if by some extremity you do sweep, then it's like, okay, they're five and a half back of you for that wild card spot. The Rays, I don't even know who the Rays are playing next. I think they're playing – no, they played Minnesota. I don't know who even who they're playing next. They might be playing Baltimore next, I think. But even so, if you can make up even a game by just taking care of business against the Yankees and have the Rays lose a game in that span, it's a win but for Al, yeah, to, to your point, too, like even after the Yankee series, if you say you win two out of three, then you're, the rest of the month until the last day of the month, you're playing the Texas Rangers for three, the Minnesota Twins for three, and the Cleveland Indians for three. I will say, though, Minnesota gave Tampa Bay a run for their money. I think they took the series two out of three against the Rays. So Minnesota yeah, might like, not be a complete cupcake, but no, they should but win like, games. Yes, they should, should win games. You should yes. win that. You should win all these series. You're, you're winning games, and then, you, and then you play the Rays at the end of the month. So you're, you're hopefully you get through that stretch. Chris Sale gets two more starts. You're fl- you're riding high going into that race series, and maybe you're maybe you're back in first place. Maybe you're like a game out, half a game out, whatever it may be. You know, the stretch of baseball where it looks pretty easy on the schedule. Hopefully it is, because you, and then you hit the race going into September, and you know you could be in you could if all things fall right and you play well against the teams you should be beating. You are because a good chance you're back in first place come September. And, and, this, and the Red Sox have what, like the fifth easiest schedule remaining, something like that. Yeah. Um, so, and that's great. Like you can't control your plan. You've got to beat the bad teams. And look, again, the Orioles showed up at the right time. Red Sox look great this weekend. As you said, they scored over 30 runs, right? Um, there's nothing more you can do, but beat the crap out of them and move on. And they did that. So if they, if they looked bad against the Orioles, we'd have a concern, but they figured it out, hit the crap out of the ball. They all hit a bunch of dingers and, and, they, and Chris Sale's pitching again. So all in all, it was a great weekend. Uh, off day Monday when this first drops this episode, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're playing the Yankees, and there you go. That's it. Um, anything else? That's all I want to talk about. That's it. All right, Chris, welcome. First show in the books. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been something I'm looking forward to. Uh, looking forward to doing. It's exciting. Talk some Red Sox. I haven't talked Red Sox on a podcast in 65 days. So well, now you get to do it once a week. So. It's something I've been looking forward to for a while. So I kind of wish that uh, a little sooner because I get a lot of that trade deadline stuff off my chest. But uh, I've since I've since got it out of my system. So welcome to the family. Thank you. I was lucky. I was lucky that I wasn't on last week because man, was I pissed. Yeah, you were. I wasn't happy. I wasn't. You were irate. I was not happy. I since I have since come down. Chris Sale makes me feel better. Chris Sale's made me feel better. I've seen the Anthony Rizzo tweets every time he hits a, the home run. I, I see the little subtle shots, the Rizzo, the little Rizzo shot tweets. I see those. Hey, you know what? It, it, it was the thing with Rizzo. Oh God. Uh, the thing with Rizzo uh, is you it just was like, it was, Pandora's box, Chris. it was Chris. The, it was like the only player that like the entire time it was, well, Rizzo makes the most sense of the Red Sox national media. Everybody was talking about it. And I'm like, that makes so much sense. We need a first baseman. Like, just go do it. And they, and they were linked to him. They made, they, made, they made offers, all this stuff, and then just nothing. 
and he went to the freaking Yankees of all. He could have gone anywhere but the Yankees. I would have been less pissed. But then the so Yankees the last, in and took him. The last time that the Yankees grabbed a player that I felt kind of deflated after, remember when the Yankees signed Teixeira? Yep. Years ago, yep. and I never yep. like I never thought the Sox run on Mark Scherer were going to get him, but I was I was like optimistic and excited, like hey, this dude's going to go back to Atlanta. He's going to maybe sign back with the Angels. No, no, no. Yankees swoop in to get him. I I remember being at work, seeing it on the TV, and I was just like, the feeling of just oh, Yankees got another one that came off Giambi. Now they got it to Scherer. I had that same feeling when they went on Garizzo. It was like, oh well, here we go. This is all over again. They get a a dude who can hit left-handed, short porch, going to hit a, tunch of, a bunch of bombs for the Yankees. And it was the second bat they got. It wasn't even the first bat they got. That they just gotten a bat. But he's hitting 281. He's got three homers, six RBI. I think the, the big thing and the big piece of the whole is the fact that for a Red Sox perspective, for a fan standpoint, like you didn't get that instant gratification from the trades. You didn't get that Schwarber to, to get in the lineup right away. Chris Sale wasn't pitching, you know, the day after the deadline. You had to wait for these players. And in the meantime, you sucked. And you had to just deal with the fact that you, the team wasn't playing well. On the flip side, the Yankees were getting production out of Rizzo. To be honest with you, have you heard much about Gallo? Like, it's been quiet with that dude in New York. It's, it's been as if he's still in Texas. So, I think to, you know, to kind of circle back on that schedule piece, Red Sox just take care of business in these three games against the Yankees. The, the schedule is very favorable. They got a tough matchup next month against the White Sox. But beyond that, this team could be right back into the thick of it, if not in first place. Control your destiny. And then all of a sudden, now you're talking about buying playoff tickets at Fenway Park. Look, the Red Sox are going to be in the playoffs, I think, either way. Like in my, I, like, I don't think they missed the playoffs because they've had too good of a year. Um, whether it's the A's or the Yankees falling off, like I think you're going to, worst case, there will be in a wild card game here. But like this team still has good enough talent to win division um i think on paper you should be be better than the rays and you add a bat like Schwarber. if Schwarber's fine he's gonna hit the crap out of the ball then great you might be end up being a better bat than rizzo fine um but i hope he's healthy i hope he's fine especially because you didn't let him have a rehab stint <laughs> so pray to god he actually is healthy uh that's the one thing that scares me they're like we need you bad enough your game got rained out let's just go play now it's like oh you didn't want to give him one game he late that fine. day they he played that fine. day. How oh, they played that day. <laughs> You're giving them one more day. Anyway, you're right. He looks fine. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see. Pretty favorable August the rest of the way. So hopefully they win some games. Uh, all right. Into the Triangle Podcast. That was episode 55. Wally Zerback episode. If you want to go by the socks, though, if you want to go by the socks, it's, it's the Lenny DiNardo episode. Ooh, I love Lenny DiNardo. Lenny DiNardo. Episode 55. Lenny DiNardo. 55. Obviously, everywhere you can find your podcast in the triangle, find us there. CouchGuysports.com, all the written content, YouTube, subscribe there, hit the little bell button, makes us pop every time we produce something. Uh, the Twitch channel, we're, we're constantly pretty much there every day now for the most part. Uh, Yellow Card Podcast, shout out to them. They're back with live streams for Premier League. So that's good stuff. So definitely watch out there. Um, and all the written content, of course. Duh. All the, that's kind of how we started. So all the written content, all the good stuff there. Uh, Mr. Page use himself. Chris Henry is constantly writing. So, um, until next week, guys. Chris, it was fun. Al, sometimes I love you, bud. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. See you, guys. Peace out.